Our text today comes to us from the Gospel of John, chapter 11, which was read so beautifully for us by our fifth graders today. They captured a couple pieces from the really two big moments in John, chapter 11, in which Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. They read for us that first part in which Jesus and Martha had their conversation, which is just so good. It's what, in a way, our newest members did today, a declaration of faith in which Martha said that, yes, Jesus is the Messiah. And when Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life, do you believe this? She said, yes. And that's not just some conversation about understanding or a theory about Jesus. That is our faith. That Jesus did not claim to have resurrection and life or understand the secrets of resurrection and life. Instead, Jesus said that he is the resurrection, and the life. And to know him, to put your faith in him, is to know and put your faith in the resurrection and life that he gives. And I love that question that he asked Martha, do you believe this? And she says, yes. One of the most powerful statements given to Jesus, and it comes in the midst of grief, during the loss of a brother, during the loss when they knew that if Jesus had been there, he could have prevented that death. It's a statement made in hope in the most impossible of circumstances, and Martha does not waver. She simply says, yes. And it's my prayer for each one of us that God would give all of us the grace in those moments to be that strong. And then there comes the second big part of it, when we had the miracle. Jesus calls out to the dead man, Lazarus, come on out, and... He did, and you read for us that it had been four days, and John mentions that for a few reasons. Number one, because that's how long it had been. Number two, because at that time, people believed that the soul actually hovered around the body still for the first three days, but after the fourth, then they were truly dead. Hence the reason there was a smell, hence the reason he was wrapped in linens, hence the reason they buried him. But there's just a blink and you miss it moment in there of when Jesus says, move the stone, that Martha responds. And I love it because even though she had given that wonderful declaration of faith, Jesus still continues to stretch her faith, continues to push her and to call her to act on that faith. And he does the same for us. There's big moments in life. Jesus saying he's the resurrection of life, making confessions of faith, acting on faith, seeing miracles. And this miracle, friends, was the very last straw. Like you all said, Easter is coming, but before Easter is Good Friday. And these Pharisees had had it. They were done with this Jesus and out of fear of losing their way of life, their temple, their prophets, everything that would come from it, they said, this man must die. And the high priest prophesies and says, it's better for one to die than for all to perish. Truer words could not be spoken because it is better that our Lord Jesus died for us than all of us would be left to perish in our sins. And I wanna talk about those big moments. I really do, they are ripe for messages. But with your permission, there's a little in-between 
there's a small moment that comes in between those two big moments of that conversation with Martha and before he rises Lazarus that I want to look at. If you have your Bibles open, I'm going to pick up at verse 28. If not, the scripture will be on the screen. And here's what happens in the in-between of two big moments. After Martha had said this, she went back, called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said. He's calling for you. He's asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she got up and quickly went to him. And Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was, saw him, fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And in between moments, a sister runs ahead and grabs her other sister and says, Jesus is asking for you. In the in-between moments, a sister asks a sister to have a moment with Jesus before everyone else comes and it gets too crazy. And I love what Martha calls Jesus the teacher. It's that tiny little the that's so important because among his followers, Jesus was primarily called and described by his teaching activities. He's not a normal teacher. He is the teacher. And here is Martha, a woman, using this term. In that time, the rabbis did not teach women, but Jesus did. And he taught others, fishermen, tax collectors, sinners, you and I. He teaches you and I as well through his word, through prayer, and as Alexis told us in the hard part, through the waiting. For two days he waited before he went to see Lazarus, his family, which were Martha and Mary. And notice what the sisters both said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I wonder how many times they spoke those words to each other. And I wonder how many times we find ourselves speaking words similar Asking questions like, what if, if only, then this wouldn't have happened. The questions of why and what if, and if only in the silence of this, or in this case, the waiting are difficult. Some of us have learned by experience that God's silence in the face of our question is not due to some inadequacy in ourselves, some glitch that we didn't live right or pray right. Or if we could just get the words right or stop sinning, then these bad things would stop happening. God's silence or waiting is very common and it is repeated for all who are alive and especially for those who follow him. That's why I think when you read through the Bible and you see so many examples of it, and especially in the Psalms, there's so many prayers like, why, Lord, do you stand so far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Or how long, Lord, will you forgive me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts day after day, have sorrow in my heart? How long will the enemy triumph over me? Or my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, I find no rest. Why? Why? How long? How long, if only? We ask these questions quite a bit. And I don't know if we will ever get an answer. But the significant things for those who will follow Jesus are that we will keep on praying, keep on trusting, despite the silence, despite the waiting, even despite the results. And why do we do it? Because we know who God is and what the heart of God is that God does not hide himself, but has shown us who he is in Jesus. That even when our eyes show us one thing and our minds play tricks on us, our heart stays rooted with the promise that Jesus is with us always. He is the God who saves, the God who holds on. He is the God who cares. Look at verse 33. When Jesus saw Mary weeping and the Jews who had come along because, uh, how do I put this, at the time, the people who mourned the Jews, they would weep out loud. They would shed great tears. They would cry hysterically. The more unrestrained their weeping, the more honor it paid to the dead person. But when Jesus sees them, he's deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asks. They say, come and see. And then the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. And the Jews say, look how he loved him. But some said, couldn't he open the eyes of the blind? Couldn't he have kept this man from dying? To the mind of the ancient Greek at the time, the, the primary characteristic of God was apathia, the inability to feel any emotion whatsoever. The belief was in an isolated, compassionless God, a removed God who did not care. But that is not the God of our Bible. That is not the God who truly exists and is there. And it is here in the in-between, in the little moments, the moments that each one of us experience the death of loved ones, the pain, the sorrow. We see that the grief and the tears of Mary and Martha moved God, moved Jesus. That he sees the tears of the grief stricken and he is moved with compassion. This means that for each one of us, God sees the tears that we cry that he is touched by our tears, that he remembers our tears, that he is actively working to dry our tears and there will come a day when we will cry no more for he will remove them forever. And don't miss that he is deeply moved in spirit and troubled. This is a remarkable phrase. With the modern versions here, we see that deeply moved. Our modern ears think that this is like a, a touching sympathy. But what actually this is, is an anger, an indignation about what the devil had been able to do in this situation. That he had caused such pain and hopelessness to ones that Jesus loved. And that when he sees the pain of the sisters and even some of the crowd and the realization that they thought Jesus could have saved if he was there in time, but there's nothing he could do now because he's dead, this deep anger and indignation rises within him, moves his spirit and troubles him. And I think this is important because when we are faced with the effects of the devil's work of destruction and death, we can be drawn like they were to confusion, to hopelessness, to this deception that God has turned away from us. 
And I don't think that happens in the big moment. It happens in the little ones very slowly in the days that follow. It happens in the in-between. But it's here in the in-between that the Lord Jesus' response came and connected to those who were weeping and cried. And he moved close because he cares for us and will stop at nothing to undo the havoc created by the evil one and the work of death that he will go even to his own death for us so that we will not experience true death. We will not experience the separation from God, but we will experience and see him face to face. For he alone defeats the devil. He alone has broken the power of death, its sting, so that even when we die, we are alive with him which is one of these reasons I think John points it out. And there's a contrast between weeping and wept. Jesus was moved and grieved, but he wasn't out of control. It was a quiet weeping. Because as he wept, he was staring at the tomb at his enemy, death, right in the eye, knowing all along what it was going to cost to destroy this enemy, but not stopping. Because those shortest little tiny verses right there, Jesus wept, that tiny in-between one shows that he was our God, that there is no sin or shame when we cry in our grief. It shows us that Jesus is not away from us in our grief, but he identifies and comes close to us in sorrow, that he loves us and is present with us in every moment. He is the one who shares in the grief of those who mourn. And you better believe he is the one who does something about our grief. Which is why this little section of see how he loved him, could he not have? The questions don't ever go away, friends. We are always going to find ourselves asking how long, why? Is there something else I could have done? The same words that Mary, that Martha, that the Jews, that each one of us asks. Words that we will ask on this side of heaven. But God gives us the strength to respond just as Martha did. Even now we will believe. Even now when we don't understand, we will trust. Even though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and the foam and the mountain quakes with their surging, in death, in sickness, in pain, in whatever is before you, we do not fear, for God is our refuge and strength, our help in all times. That's what you have in the in-between. We all remember the big moments, the cry of faith, the miracles, and we have to. That's part of life. But do not ever forget that in every moment, in the in-between, there is one who is with us. There is one who gives us hope. There is one who gives us love. One who gives us peace. One who gives us life. That's our message for today.